Greetings, friends around the world. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Bible News Prophecy Channel. Have you heard of the new handbook, which the Vatican calls the Vedamicum, regarding Rome's ecumenical agenda and plans? Well, I'd like to read something from the Catholic News Agency uh, about this. The Vatican published Friday a guide with suggestions for Catholic bishops to promote unity with other Christian communities, offering practical advice for how to overcome common challenges to ecumenism. The ecumenical Vedamicum was approved by Pope Francis and issued December 4th by the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity. The document emphasizes the responsibility of Diocesan bishops to promote unity among Christians within their jurisdiction and gives practical suggestions for how this can be achieved. The Vedamicum recalls the ecumenical dialogue and interreligious dialogue have different aims. Dialogue with different religious traditions aims at establishing good relations and cooperation, but dialogue with different Christian communities aims at restoring the unity Christ willed for his church, it says. Cardinal Kurt Koch, president of the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity, said in a press conference December 4th that it was his opinion that the issue of whether there's valid ordination in Christian communities outside the Catholic Church is the biggest obstacle to resolving the theological question of intercommunion. He cited, for example, the fact that the Anglican community has allowed the ordination of women as priests and bishops, which the Catholic Church uh, cannot accept. We must work on this very situation very hard in the future, but we've not resolved the situation today, he said. Cardinal Mark Wheelett, prefect of the Congregation for Bishops, also said the problem of Episcopal ordination was fundamental and so is at the core of ecumenical dialogue. The ministry of the bishop is the ministry for unity, the cardinal said, not just for his own diocese or for the Catholic Church, but unity for the whole of Christians. The new document also notes the obligation of lay Catholics to work for unity with other Christians and promotes practical ecumenism, which it describes as Christians serving together to promote a common cause or to address injustices such as human trafficking, mistreatment of immigrants, attacks on the sanctity of life, among other issues. Any appearance of triumphalism should be carefully avoided. Cultural ecumenism includes all efforts to better understand the culture of other Christians and in so doing realize beyond cultural differences to varying degrees we share the faith expressed in different ways. So in other words, they put out this guide for their bishops says, we want you to set certain things up, we want you to have uh, ecumenical dialogue, but don't act like the Catholic Church is superior when we get them to accept what we want. Be careful about that. And also understand that different cultures do things differently, which is why we can accept other uh, religious traditions who claim Christianity. Now, as an aside, let me say that Kurt Koch and uh, Mark uh, Wheelett are two men who had the potential, to, in my opinion, to be the uh, false prophet of the book of Revelation and the Antichrist that uh, the Apostle John wrote about. Whether they are or not, they're certainly involved in the setting up of a, a, such a leader. Now, this uh, new handbook shows that this is what they're trying to do. Now, before quoting directly from it, I'd like to read something from 
a Roman Catholic translation of the Bible called the New Jerusalem Bible. And here's how it translates the last portion of Jude, verse 3. I felt I must write you, write to you, encouraging you to fight hard for the faith which was been once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. Now, once I've read over this Vedamikam, again, that's the word that means handbook, it's not fighting hard for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Instead, it's basically ecumenical steps to reach out to other faiths, essentially to schmooze with them, and agree that, you know, yeah, we got cultural and other differences, but, you know, you're close enough to Rome, so we should be in essentially full communion with each other. They also, in this document, also talks about using media in an ecumenical way, along with uh, joint prayer with other Trinitarians. Now, so let me read something directly from uh, the Veda Mecum. Firstly, ecumenism is not premised on compromise, as if unity should be achieved at the expense of truth. Though all revealed truths are believed with the same divine faith, their significance depends on their relation to the saving mysteries of the Trinity and salvation in Christ, the source of all Christian doctrines. By weighing truths rather than simply enumerating them, Catholics gain a more accurate understanding of the unity that exists among Christians. Because we share a real communion as brothers and sisters in Christ, Catholics not only can but indeed must seek out opportunities to pray with other Christians. So what this document saying is, yes, there's zillions of differences between them and, the, say, the Protestants and the Eastern Orthodox and some others, but let's look at the, they the big issues. And the first big issue they say is the Trinity. Okay? Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but the sun-worshipping Emperor Constantine from the early 4th century, he was a Trinitarian. He's the one who called the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., and he presided over it as a lay bishop, even though he hadn't been baptized by anybody. And even at that council, only 10 to 15% of the people who attended, 10 to 15% of the bishops that attended, by the way, were Trinitarian. Uh, most were uh, semi-Aryan, binitarian, which is what we in the continuing Church of God are. Anyway, because of Emperor Constantine's push toward Trinitarianism, a few decades later, uh, the Greco-Roman face uh, became Trinitarian. What happened to get its final acceptance, if you will, was it was pushed by Emperor Theodosius. In an imperial decree in 380 AD, Emperor Theodosius decreed that the Catholic Church was the official religion of the Roman Empire. And he also issued an imperial decree that said anyone who would not embrace his Trinitarian uh, definition of the Godhead were prohibited to use the term Catholic, and he also labeled them as foolish madmen and heretics. So he began official name-calling of those who held to the earlier belief of the, uh, of the Godhead, of the belief we in the continuing Church of God still hold. Now, as it turns out, Theodosius' Trinity became the official position of the Greco-Roman churches after, he after Theodosius, the emperor, convened the Council of uh, Constantinople in 381 AD. Certainly this was not part of the faith which was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Now in the 21st century, what we see is those who compromised on the nature of the Godhead uh, 
Rome expects that they can have unity with it. So that eliminates groups, for example, like the Continuing Church of God, because we hold the original faith on these matters. I want to hold up a booklet that we have called The Continuing History of the Church of God. And this is available at the ccog.org website. Go into the literature tab and you can find it. This will document that we in the Continuing Church of God hold the original faith from the beginning to present. And groups such as the Greco-Roman churches do not. Now you might be watching this and maybe you're Protestant and you may think, oh, Protestants hold the original faith. Well, actually, no, they don't. Matter of fact, this is a much thicker book that we've got, uh, Hope of Salvation, How the Continuing Church of God Differs from Protestantism. We go into Protestant history, explain how the Protestants do not hold the original faith, and we go into great depth on the Trinitarian question in here, as well as deal with a lot of objections that Trinitarians, particularly Protestant Trinitarians, bring up about that. And this book, also free online to read at the www.ccog.org website. Now, this, there's something else that I want to mention from uh, the Church of Rome. Uh, you heard of the Culligan Man? Well, he wrote a book called The Last War and the End of Time. And in it, he cited a Catholic nun. So let me read something from his book. Jane LeRoyer died 1798, Sister Mary the Nativity. When the time of the reign of Antichrist is near, a false religion will appear, which will be opposed to the unity of God and his church. So this nun Royer claimed to have a vision, very many visions actually. He said a false religion is going to appear, and it's opposed to the unity of God and his church. Well, what's the unity of God and his church according to Roman Catholic sources? Well, the idea that Christ is willing ecumenical unity now, as found in the Vedamicum, is certainly one. But the Trinity actually is another. And I'd like to read something from, for example, the Catholic Encyclopedia of 1910. Thus we protect the Divine Trinity and the Holy Avowal of the Monarchy, Unity of God. So if you go back to Nun Royer's writings, or vision, she's worried about a group that sounds a lot like the continuing Church of God. Now, the Greco-Roman Trinitarian doctrine is not scriptural. It certainly was not part of the early Christian faith. And if you go through honest documents from Roman Catholic scholars and Greek Orthodox scholars, for that matter, they will admit that it wasn't something that they originally had, uh, basically developed over time. But it's the type of Trinitarian unity that the Church of Rome is pushing for. And it's certainly an unbiblical and improper unity. Now I'd like to read something else from the uh, New Jerusalem Bible. This would be 2 Corinthians 6, uh, starting at verse 15. Maybe similar to your Bible, but I'm going to read it from the Roman Catholic source. Starting at verse 15, 2 Corinthians 6. How can Christ come to an agreement with Biliar? And what sharing can there be between a believer and unbeliever? The temple of God cannot compromise with false gods, and that is what we are, the temple of God, the temple of the living God. We have God's word for it. I shall fix my home among them. I live among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Get away from them. Purify yourself, says the Lord. Do not touch anything unclean, and then I shall welcome you. 
So the Word of God's warning us not to be associated with unbelievers who believe in false gods, such as the uh, Trinitarian God, which again is not from the Bible. Again, we have literature to back up what we're saying with historical references, so as biblical references. True Christians aren't going to be part of what the Church of Rome is pushing. Now let's go to 1 John uh, chapter 4. Let's read verses 5 and 6, again from the New Jerusalem Bible to show uh, those of the Roman Catholic background that this is uh, what their accepted Bible says. They're from the world, and therefore the world inspires what they say and listens to them. We are from God. Whoever recognizes God listens to us. Anyone who's not from God refuses to listen to us. This is how we can distinguish the spirit of truth from the spirit of falsehood. Well, the reality is many world leaders have endorsed the ecumenical and interfaith agendas that the Vatican's been pushing, but we, the Continuing Church of God, do not. I'm going to read something uh, from back in uh, 2019. Christian unity is not optional, says Pope Francis. Linda Bordoni reports for Vatican News that the Pope has reminded the faithful that ecumenism is not something optional during his January 16th general audience. Again this year we are called to pray so all Christians may once again be in a single family according to God's will so that all may be one. He said, pointing out that ecumenism is not something optional, the Pope said. So that's his view. And at the same time of that particular conference, the World Council of Churches was involved. So let me read something with that. World Council of Churches General Secretary uh, Olav Visky said that as people around the world pray together, they will share a sense of joy, concern, and accountability, a sharing that forms the heart of the ecumenical movement. And the World Council of Churches was formed essentially to be an ecumenical movement to unite different uh, faiths who claim Christianity. Now these faiths that they're working to unite are essentially various forms of the Eastern Greek Orthodox, Assyrian Orthodox, whatever, uh, Roman Catholics and some of their uh, different rites there, and the various Protestant faiths. But what's not at all part of this is the, truth, the Church of God, which was uh, not Protestant. We predated the Protestants. I'm holding up this particular book, but this one would show it as well. And you can prove that if you're willing to, to, to look. The uh, ecumenical push is a false gospel. Now, in Zechariah, the Bible warns against the coming daughter of Babylon. I want to go to Zechariah chapter 2, read verse 10 and 11 from the New Jerusalem Bible. Look out, look out, flee from the land of the north, Yahweh declares. For I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, Yahweh declares. Look out, make your escape, Zion, now living with the daughter of Babylon. This is a prophecy of the end time daughter of Babylon, which you can read about, for example, in uh, Revelation chapter 17 and 18. But let's continue in Zechariah. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16 as written in the New Jerusalem Bible. And on that day many nations will be converted to Yahweh. Yes, they will become his people and they will live among you. Then you will know that Yahweh Sabaoth has sent me to you. Yahweh will take possession of Judah, his portion in the Holy Land, and make again make Jerusalem his choice. Now notice that when all this happens, this happens after Christians are told to flee from Babylon. Okay, that's what we just read in uh, Zechariah uh, 2, 11 and, uh, 10 and 11. 
Furthermore, that's consistent with something in the New Testament, a prophecy in the book of Revelation, sometimes called the Apocalypse uh, by some. And Revelation chapter 18, I'm going to read verses 2 through 4. At the top of his voice he shouted, Babylon has fallen, Babylon the Great has fallen, and has become the haunt of devils, and a lodging for every foul spirit and dirty, loathsome bird. All the nations have drunk deep of the wine of her prostitution. Every king of the earth has prostituted himself with her, and every merchant grown rich through her debauchery. Another voice spoke from heaven. I heard it say, Come out, my people, away from her, so you do not share in her crimes and have the same plagues to bear. The interfaith Ecumenical movements that the Vatican, certain Protestants, and various Eastern Orthodox leaders are promoting, as well as some with the United Nations and other world leaders, it's condemned by the Bibles, by the Bible, and it should not be encouraged. The time is going to come when the most faithful Christians will flee. I read it from uh, Zechariah, I read it from Revelation, but Revelation uh, 12, 14, 16 goes furthermore into that. Now, it's true. One scripture the ecumenical people cite is uh, John 17, 21, that Jesus prayed that the church would be one as he and the Father were one. But he did not push this type of uh, unity that the Vatican's pushing for. And should make it clear that the Apostle Paul wrote that the type of unity of faith that Rome and the other ecumenical groups are working on, like the World Council of Churches, that doesn't happen until after Jesus returns. Let's read this in Ephesians 4, verse 13, again from the New Jerusalem Bible. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Lord and Son of God and form the perfect man, fully mature, with the fullness of Christ himself. We do not become perfect men and women in this age. This comes after the return of Jesus Christ and the establishment of the kingdom of God. So the unity of faith that they're pushing for doesn't happen in this age. Those who believe this unity is supposed to come in this age are in error. Actually, when Jesus returns, he's going to destroy the unity of nations who are going to be gathered against him. Let's go, for example, to the book of Revelation, chapter 11, and I'll read uh, verses uh, uh, 15 and 18, again from the New Jerusalem Bible. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and voices could be heard shouting in heaven, calling, The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Verse 18. The nations were in uproar, and now the time has come for your retribution, for the dead to be judged, and for your servants, the prophets, for the saints, and for those who fear your name, small and great, to be rewarded. The time has come to destroy those who are destroying the earth. So we see it's going to be a unity of nations against Jesus. This is also discussed in Revelation chapter 19. So why don't we go there. Revelation 19, start in verse 6. New Jerusalem Bible. And I heard what seemed to be the voice of a huge crowd, like the sound of an ocean, a great roar of thunder, saying, Alleluia, the reign of the Lord our God Almighty has begun. Now drop down to verse 19. Then I saw the beast with all the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to fight the rider and his army. But the beast was taken prisoner together with the false prophet who had worked miracles in the beast's behalf by, and by them who deceived them, who would accept the branding with the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his statue. These two were hurled alive in the fiery lake, burning with sulfur. All the rest were killed uh, by the sword of the rider, which came out of his mouth, and the birds glutted themselves in their flesh. 
Now I'd like to go to uh, Revelation uh, 20, uh, verse 4. It says that I saw the thrones, those who took their seats, and on them was conferred the power to give judgment. And I saw the souls of those been beheaded for having witnessed for Jesus and for having preached God's word, who refused to worship the beast or his statue, and would not accept a brand mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now notice that Jesus will have to destroy a world of armies unified against him. Then he and the saints are going to reign. That's when we'll have true and proper unity of faith. Even the New Jerusalem Bible, Roman Catholic translation, concurs. The nations are going to be against Jesus. The Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, Protestants, and other ecumenical types need to be concerned about the type of unity that's being promoted. Trinitarian unity is not biblical, but it's a compromise. It's those of the original faith who are going to be with Jesus, whereas those who compromised will be with his opposers. Believe the word of God. Don't be swept up by this ecumenical talk. It's not biblical. What they're working on is something that the Bible warns about and condemns. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Bible News Prophecy Channel.